Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. I was at home one time and on, on one particular occasion, I was talking to God about something and I, uh, I was repenting to him, not so much for what I had done wrong, but what I had failed to do. You know, could have done more, could have done better, could have been further along spiritually. All of these sins of omission, omitting to do things. And uh, I was talking to him about that. And then I got up and sat down to read a book by Dad Hagen, was sitting there studying. And while I, while I was doing that, I was impressed to get down on my knees. And when I did, as soon as my knees touched the floor, Jesus was standing in front of me. And he made the following statement. He said, you have failed many, many times. And I thought, I am so grateful I'm the first one to bring that up. (laughs) If I'm the last one to know something's wrong, right? And that's what I've been talking to God about. Mm -hmm. And he said, you have failed many, many times, but he didn't leave me hanging there. He said, but I never have. And he said, so I share my success with you. Think of that. Now, what was he doing? He was letting me know, don't look at your failure. Look at my success. Look at what I have made yours. So when we say he shares his success with us, that means that who you are in Christ and what you belong and what belongs to you because you're in Christ will bring you into a life of success that you could never achieve on your own. We are redeemed from having to go out and find natural success on our own. If we will walk out according to the success that is in us, we'll have success in our marriage and we'll have success in our business. We'll have success in every arena of life. So it's not about us formulating and trying to achieve success. It's about relying and drawing on the success that resides in us. At the new birth, the life of God came in you. Amen. We share in his life. How do we share in his life and not share in his success? Mm. We have to know this. God has never failed at anything. Anything. Now people have failed God and then blamed God for their failure. But God has never failed at anything, and He's the one in us. Think of that. And so because He's the one in us, we can draw on the greater one in us, and as we do, the outcome of it will be success. Now, turn with me, if you would, to Joshua chapter 1, because after Jesus said this to me, this is where He led me to this passage in Joshua chapter one. And I, uh, the spirit of God said to me about two years ago, he said, you need to emphasize and meditate much on Joshua chapter one, verse eight. He said, because that's how you're going to get into the future things I have for you to fulfill. I had taught on Joshua chapter one, verse eight. Of course, I knew what it said. I referred to it regularly, but evidently I knew that there was something more 
hidden in there that I hadn't quite seen yet when he said that. And so when he said to me, he said, uh, I never have failed, so I share my success with you. He led me to this verse. Now we have to look at the setting here. We remember that um, the setting that this is written to Joshua, God is speaking to Joshua in this passage. Moses has just died. And uh, of course, Moses was one of the greatest leaders that had ever lived. And yet this great leader, the people that were delivered out of Egypt would not follow this great leader into all God had for them. They wouldn't go. God had another land for them. And it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. It flowed. Notice, I like the word it flowed. It flowed. There was a continual supply. There was not, they never saw the bottom of anything because there was always a flow. That's what God had in mind. If you see the bottom of something, we're not in the flow yet. If you see the bottom of your resources, the bottom of your strength, the bottom of your health, the bottom of your marriage, you're out of the flow. Because in the flow, you don't see the bottom. And this is what God had for them. They had lived at the bottom generation after generation as slaves in Egypt. They had lived at the bottom. And God said, I'm going to bring you into a land that flows. And... Uh, he said, I'm going to bring you in. He didn't say you're going to have to fight your way in. He said, I give you the land. You don't even have to go and win it for yourself. He said, I give it to you. But um, here they saw these wonderful things worked that brought them out of Egypt. Now think about it. Egypt was utterly destroyed by the time they left. It was not God's plan. How many of you know God didn't destroy it? God's not a destroyer. God told them what to do so that they wouldn't be destroyed. He sent Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. That was his word. If they would have done what God said, they would have kept all their crops. They would have kept their, their livestock. They would have kept their firstborn. They would have kept their wealth. They would have kept their water supply. They would have kept everything. If they'd have just done what he said, let my people go. If he would have said, okay, I'll let the people go, everything would have remained intact. But because they didn't, the door was open and the destroyer could come in. And so the destroyer came in and there were things that were worked that were delivered, that delivered God's people out of there. And this generation saw that. And uh, how many of you know it wasn't even their faith? I mean, God moved to work in their behalf and delivered them out. And when God brought them out, he brought them out. It says that there was not one feeble one among them. Now, you know, they, they, they estimate there was at least 3 million of them. Not one feeble one among them. Now, when we think about someone not being feeble, you understand these are slave bodies. These are bodies that have been overworked. They've been abused. They've been neglected. They have not been given proper care proper rest, proper nourishment. They're, they've been beat on, no doubt. They have been overworked with burdens that even animals shouldn't carry. And uh, when they came out, everybody perfectly straight, every joint working, every spine right in place. Now think about the, the magnitude 
of the power that was worked so that every one of them could walk out completely whole. And then he gave them another instruction. He said, uh, go demand of your neighbor the silver and the gold. <laughs> what was that? 400 years of back pay today. And God gave them favor and they turned over their silver and their gold to them. They walked out with the wealth of Egypt, which was the wealthiest nation on the earth at that time. They walked out with health and they walked out with wealth. And then God sent them on a journey. They were meant to pass through the wilderness, right? They were meant to pass through. But they lingered in a place they were only meant to pass through. God can lead you on a way, but if we stop using faith, on, we stop right. in our progress. Yeah, right. And too many times we are lingering in a place we're only meant to pass through. Yeah. So they would not go on into the promised land. So for 40 years, they stayed in the wilderness. Now think of this. The wilderness was not the will of God for them. They were out of the will of God for 40 years. 40 years. Did they receive miracles? Yes, but not the best miracles. Right. You mean there are, there are miracles that are better than others? Absolutely. Yeah. God could only bless them limitedly because they were out of his will. But God so loves his people and so wants to help his people, he will help his people as far as he can. But I don't want God to just be able to bless me limitedly. I want the full flow of God's blessing on my life. And so they got to some hard places there in that wilderness. And it's so interesting to note, they came out with the wealth of Egypt and then God sent them through the wilderness where they couldn't spend any of it. What's he going to teach them? It's not money that gets you into my plan. It's not money that gets you into my plan. It's faith that gets you into my plan. There are so many people with money in the earth not living out the plan of God because money won't get you in. So many people think if I just have more money, that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not more money that gets you into the plan of God. It's faith. When we're in faith, the money will come. Amen. And so... God was demanding faith of them. And when faith was demanded of them, they did not measure up. And uh, they were held out of God's best, not because of lack of health, not because of lack of finances, not because of lack of leadership, but we find out what is it that held them in that place that God never intended for them to be. And it was one thing, their mouth. Why did they speak the way they, they did? Because they thought the way they did. They came out wealthy. They came out healthy. But they came out with slave thinking. They never changed their mentality. How do we know that? Because they, when they sent spies, they said, we were as grasshoppers in our sight. That's the problem right there. They did not change the way they thought. They forgot that God worked for them to bring them into being their own nation. God worked to bring down the greatest nation on the earth so that they could walk out free. Listen, when God's on your side, you're not a grasshopper anymore. You understand this? You came out with 
you're now the healthiest people on the earth. You're now the wealthiest nation. And you're calling yourself a grasshopper. See, it doesn't matter what you're born in. It doesn't matter what home you're raised in. It doesn't matter. These are uneducated people. They don't educate slaves. These are uneducated people. And notice this, God doesn't call you failure as long as you're, he's on the inside of you. It doesn't matter what your education is. But they just never changed their thinking. How do we know they didn't change their thinking? Because they behaved in the wilderness the way they did in Egypt. What, how did they behave? They spoke against Moses. They spoke against God. They spoke against Aaron. They spoke against their leadership. Slaves learn that. Slaves learn that. And so now when they're no longer in slavery, they still carried the complaining mentality, the murmuring mentality. Let me tell you what, they failed for 40 years. Why? Because they complained. They thought wrong. They talked wrong. Complaining is the language of a failure. Get rid of it out of your life. I don't have a complaint about my house. I don't have a complaint about my job. I don't have a complaint about anybody. That is the language of failure. Amen. Things might not be as, the, as you wish them to be, but complaining doesn't change it. It's faith that changes that. And so for 40 years, they were in the wilderness complaining and getting exactly what they said. You can imagine what this was like, a generation complaining, disappointed, discouraged, disheartened. Why? Because people who never arrived are discouraged people. They never arrived. Had all of this backstory behind them and still never arrived. Let me tell you what, you don't arrive just because God has a plan for your arrival. We arrive because we bring faith to the plan of God. The blessings of God that your pastor so wonderfully talked about, they're conditional. Yeah. Yeah. They're conditional. Yeah. They're waiting for our faith. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. The blessing that's on us yeah. must be mixed with the faith in us yeah. for it to be activated. Yes. So here, this, this first generation absolutely never arrived. And now Moses has died. That first generation that saw the miracles has died. And Joshua is now the leader. And I tell you what, it was not a coveted spot. Why? Because now he comes in and he's the leader of a second generation. You know the problem with the second generation? They were trained by the first generation. That's the problem. They were raised by the first generation. They were raised by gripers, complainers, murmurs, people that were unfaithful. And now these aren't, this second generation didn't even see the miracles. So God, when he was working with that first generation, notice what he did. He worked miracles for them as far as he could. They complained that they didn't have the food they wanted. So God rained down from heaven manna. One translation called it angel food. Uh, Was it the best miracle? It was the miracle for disobedient people. God never intended that they live on manna. But because they were in disobedience, they were lingering in a place where there was no supply and he worked a miracle 
for them to have a supply. How do we know it wasn't God's best? It was ruined by the end of the day. Every day they had to go get more. Every day by the end of that day, it was ruined. By the first of the next day, they had to go get more. Let me tell you, that's not a land flowing. As wonderful as miracle as that was, that was not the best miracle. The best miracle was go get in the land where the abundance is flowing. Right? And ladies, you, this, this miracle, there's another miracle that wasn't the best miracle, and we can all recognize this is not the best miracle. And that is this. Their clothes never wore out. <laughs> Forty years. And their clothes never wore out. That means the children grew. Their clothes grew with them. Their clothes never wore out. Well, that's a miracle, but the best miracle is a closet full of clothes. Right? They weren't in a flow. They were living with barely enough food just for the day. They lived for 40 years in the lane of barely enough. If we're living with barely enough, just enough for this paycheck, just enough for this mortgage, just enough for this payment, there's more available to us. I said there's more available. And we have to recognize, wait a minute, I'm seeing the bottom too often. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm living with barely enough. I need to recognize that and say, I'm not okay with that anymore. Just because that might have been the way we've lived, I'm not okay with that anymore. Surely that's not God's best that at the end of the day I run out, at the end of the paycheck I see the bottom. We need to be sober about what our lives look like and how long they've been that way. Amen. And say, you know something? I'm missing it somewhere. There's more. There's a flow available for me. Where is that flow? In the blessing. That's what he's talking about. It's in the blessing. Well, the thing is, the blessings are conditional. We have to bring our faith to it. And you say, well, I am bringing my faith. Well, let's see if we're bringing full faith or partial faith. Amen. And so this is the setting that Joshua is in. And uh, think about it. For 40 years, the nation has been going a failing direction. They've been in failure for 40 years. Now think about Joshua going, if this man of God, and you know he had regard for the man he served for over 40 years. He was a second man to this powerful man of God. And you know that there's got to be some thought here that if he couldn't get him in, What makes me think I can get them in? But God's got to address the way Joshua thinks at the onset. Because if Joshua thinks wrong, the next generation doesn't get in. And so we find in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, how to turn a failing nation into a succeeding nation. Listen, if this will work for a nation, what do you think it'll do for an individual? If this will work for a nation, what do you think it'll do for a congregational body? If everybody does the same thing. Amen. So Joshua chapter 1, are you there with me? In verse 8, it says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that's written in it. Look at this last phrase. For then you shall make your way prosperous 
and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. success. Notice God's telling them how to succeed. There's success in us, but we have to activate that success. This verse tells us how to activate the success that's already in us. We're not trying to go out and get it from out here somewhere. It's in us because the greater one is in us, but now he's telling us how to arrive or activate the success that's in us. Amen. 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 This verse, if you'll notice, God's not mentioned in it. You'll notice the devil's not mentioned. So he can't be blamed for any failure. What's mentioned is the word is mentioned three times. The individual is mentioned five times. What's that show us? Whether or not we experience success depends on what the individual is going to do with the word. How we treat the word determines our our measure and our flow of success. Well, I'm a Christian. That's good and that's right, but you better treat the word right. I attend church. That's good and that's right, but that will not take the place of how you treat the word. The last phrase is, This is what God has in mind, that we all experience success. But look at the first two words of this verse, this book. This book is going to tell us the kind of experience of of success we're going to have. We cannot separate success from this book. This book is like no other book. What is said to us in this book doesn't equal what anybody else says to us. It it exceeds what any other person would say. It's nowhere equal to some man's good plan, to some man's education. This book is so far above education. This book is so far above your goals for the year. This book is on, on a scale all on its own. It's on its whole individual level. The respect we have for this book, the honor that we carry for the book, the honor that we carry for what God says in the book is going to tell where, what kind of success we arrive at. Amen. This book of the law. Now he's telling Joshua, I'm trying to tell you how to get in. Now, you would think, I would think if I were Joshua, it's going to take God telling me volumes of how to get these people in. We have failed for 40 years, one failure after another, one disobedience after another, one wrong heart after another. Two men left. Think about it. Joshua and Caleb watched every one of their generation die, and it didn't take life out of them. It put hope in them. Amen. Because when y'all are all dead, you unbelieving people are all dead. I'm going in. Not that they were cold and hard-hearted, but they know this. Uh, doubt doesn't go in. Doubt doesn't go in. And so God is telling him, it's not going to take volumes. Look at this. One verse contains all the instruction needed to get from, from, from failure into success. Listen, I don't care where we're at today. There's more for us. There's more places to lay hold of. There's more to get to. Can I tell you how you get into other buildings? This verse. 
Can I tell you how you fulfill the fullness of the vision that's yeah. in your pastor's heart? This verse. So let's look at this verse in detail. Amen. Amen. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. The first place your success is going to show up in is in your mouth. Your success is connected to what you do with your mouth. We can't go home and say, well, I don't know if pastors should really do that right now about that bill. Ah, ah, ah. Our success begins in our mouth. And that's the first thing he dealt with. Why? Because he knew it was their mouth that kept them out. If you're going to fulfill and arrive at the success God's authored for us, we got to deal with our mouth. Why? Because we will have what we say. We've got to get out of our mouth everything that shouldn't be there. Now, Have you ever noticed you try to get something out of your mouth and it doesn't work so well? You want to know how to get something out of your mouth? Put the right thing in. The right thing in your mouth pushes the wrong thing out of your mouth. I've noticed this. It's not about getting rid of wrong habits, wrong thoughts. It's about putting right habits in place. That's right. That's exactly right. Whenever I have... I've always had dogs, and uh, one particular time that a house we lived at, I would lay the food and the water out, and it happened to be at a place by the garage <clears throat> that there was a light right over where the food and water bowl was. So in the nighttime, all these moths and stuff are flying all around that light, but in the morning, they're all floating in the water. I love my dogs, but I'm not touching those moths. I don't care how long they've been doing the backstroke in that water. I'm not touching those things. You know what I did to get them out? I just turned the water on and put the water in, and the water flowed in, and put and the what was wrong floated out. Well, that's exactly how it is with your life, your thought life, your words. Pour the word in, and the wrong thing will start floating out. God didn't tell them you're going to have to tell them to quit murmuring. That's right. Amen. He said, put the word in their mouth. Yeah. Put the word in their mouth. Yeah. Put what I say to them in their mouth. Yeah. God did not even try to address every wrong thing that was in their mouth. He addressed one right thing to put in their mouth. Yeah. Yes, Thank you. Amen. That, how much easier? See, God stays on the positive side. Yes, he does. We can look at all the things we're not and all the weaknesses and all the faults and the failures and try to pick them out. If I would have tried to reach down and pick those moths out of the water, what would have happened? They'd just fall apart and you'd have all these little parts. Now it's not one contained body. Now it's all these broken bodies floating all in the water. That's what happens. The more we touch what's wrong with our thought life, the more it breaks up and gets everywhere. The more you touch getting the wrong thing out of your thought life, the more mindful you are of what's wrong. Yeah, that's right. yeah. So we put the right thing in. And this is what God said. If, you're, if these people are going to arrive at what I have for them, it's going to begin with what they put in their mouth. Yeah. Amen. You say, Pastor Nancy, I know all this. We know all this. <laughs> but it's not the knowing of it that will arrive us at success. Amen. Amen. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. What are you going to do when a, you get a bad report? This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. 
That means it's easy to keep the word in our mouth when the sun is shining and the bills are paid. It doesn't take any spiritual giant to say, oh my God, going to supply when you've got all this money stacked up. It's when you see the bottom, what you're going to say. It's when there's pressure that comes. When feelings of fear come, what you're going to say? Oh my gosh, I don't know if we can do it. Oh my gosh, I'm afraid for my kids. You better put those words out by putting the right words in. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. I don't care what your circumstances look like. And this is a spiritual discipline of faith that you refuse to say the wrong thing when you feel the wrong thing. When you see the wrong thing, I will not go back to talking like a slave. I will not go back to talking like I'm not free. Think about it. They were free and living like they were still in slavery. Why? Their mouth. They never changed their mouth. They had all the money in the world and still couldn't get in because their mouth robbed them. Hallelujah. Prosperity is not a money issue. It's a faith issue. And a faith issue involves a mouth issue. And God said, if you're going to arrive at what I've authored for you, it begins with your mouth. You have to say what I said. We know this. They, they derailed early. We were as grasshoppers in our side. So we were in theirs. So now you're doing the thinking of the enemy for them. You know what the word, you know what, you know what Josh and Caleb said? They said, let's go up at once. Their defense is departed from them. Now, what did Rahab the harlot say 40 years later when spies were sent in? She said, when we heard about what the Lord did for you at the Red Sea, she said, our hearts melted within us. What's that mean? Their defense departed. They were laying on the inside. They had laid down. Right. So basically Rahab the harlot is saying, we've been laid down waiting for your arrival for 40 years. Where, where, where you been? Oh, we've been talking like grasshoppers. We've been eating just enough to get us through. What's that mean? On the backside, God had already prepared their entry and they just took, they just did not have it in their mouth to show up. Too many times we're waiting for God to give us something and he's waiting for us to show up at what he's already prepared for. How do you show up? What God says is mine. God's God's working to get us in that house. God's working right now to start that business. God's working to bring customers. God is working on on the backside. You don't have to see all the backside that God's working on to know he's working. Let me tell you something. When my husband and I, when we, God told us we were living in Tulsa, and God told us to come to California. We took too long to make the move. And because we did during that year and a half that we waited and prolonged moving, the finances just kept leaking out. So the time we did arrive at California, we had nothing but debt. I'm telling you nothing but debt. I mean, when I could not, it's either buy postage stamps or food. I'm talking, I, I'm talking two numbers left, 70 bucks left in my account and credit cards up to the hilt. Two years we rented a home there, and uh, one day my husband went to 
he was an early morning person, so he got up and he would go down to the 7-Eleven at the corner and get a coffee and his newspaper. His USA Today, he had to have his USA Today. And so he would get up first thing in the morning and go down there and get that. He came back to the house after this one particular morning and he was holding a house magazine. You know how at these places they'll show a magazine of homes for sale. So when he walked in to get his coffee and his newspaper, there was a stack of those magazines there. And as soon as he saw that stack of magazines, they had this beautiful house on the front and he saw that magazine and God spoke to him and said, that's your house. Now, my husband didn't handle the finances. I handled the finances. And let me just say this. My husband never asked me where we were at financially. He just kept doing. It was my job to juggle. And, and the thing is, I could do that because I'm the type I can walk away from the table and leave everything on the table. I don't walk out carrying, out, carrying it with me in my mind. That's just me. I don't. I leave it on the table. And so he never asked me where we were at financially. He didn't ask me, oh, how much money do we have? Oh, how are we? Are we all paid up? Yeah, sure. We're all paid up, brother. <laughs> we got to pay up everybody. <laughs> and he came home and threw down that magazine and he said, God told me that's our house. Now, if I'm going by what I know about our financial situation, I'm going to say, are you kidding me? <laughs> All of our credit cards are up to the hilt. Yeah. We're behind on bills. Yeah. I have 70 bucks. I'm walking through the grocery store with a calculator. I hated walking through yeah. a grocery store yeah. with a calculator. Yeah. Do I get this? Don't I get this? Uh, no, no, no. And that's where we were at when he said, threw down that magazine. And you know what I knew? I knew God enough and I knew faith enough to say, this is time to turn your mind off. Yes, it is. And you better turn your mouth on. And I said, whatever God tells you. See, it's not about how much money. How much bills. The only thing you need to answer is this in life. What God say? That's all. If you can answer that, that's your ticket into everything. What did God say? When Moses sent those spies to the promised land, all they should have said was, what God say about this? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That, if they would have remembered what God said, yeah. they would have had the best uh, flow, the yeah. flow of abundance in their life. But because they forgot what God said and thought that what they thought meant more than what God said. So Ed called that day, that, but that's my husband. Everything's today. He was exactly that way. Everything was today. Everything was today. So he called a guy who was in our church at that time that was a real estate agent. And he said, I found this house on the front of the magazine. God said, it's mine. I want to go see it today. So they had built it. Yes, amen. They had built it at the time that we arrived in California and it had sat empty for two years. It's built brand new and no one had been in it. But see, the thing, there's a back, another backstory is that while I was in Tulsa, before we moved to California, God had, the anointing came on me one day and I was praying and I said, God, what am I praying about? And he said, your house in California. Mm -hmm. See, I prayed that thing yeah. through yeah. even before we got there. Yeah. So when Ed walks in and he sees this house on the front of the magazine and he says, I want to go see it today. So we walked through and Ed said, yeah, I want it. And you know, 
<laughs> if, God's, if God says that's your house, you don't, you don't even have to really go see it. So Ed said, uh, find out who owns this house. So the real estate agent got back with him and said, uh, there's a woman in, the, in Orange County. She's an older woman. She has it. It's an investment home. Said uh, she has two sons. They're about in their 40s or 50s. They handle all, all of her business. So uh, Ed said, call them. I want to meet with them. So the sons come and meet with Ed. And Ed said, uh, that's my house. I want to buy that house. And they said, okay. And Ed said, uh, I don't have any money. What can you do to get me in that house? You see, listen to this. I don't have any money. What can you do to get me in this house? They said, well, we can't offer you anything because this is our mother's house. We have to go talk to her and see if there's any terms. She owned it outright. And so uh, they went back to their mother and they said, mother, there's a preacher there in Murrieta who wants to buy that house. And she said, what's the preacher's name? She, they said, his name is Ed Dufresne. She said, 15 years ago, I went to his church in Torrance and got healed in his service. She said, whatever it takes, get that man in that house. And within a, a week or so, we're in that house. There was no way for us, but God had already been working on the backside. Yeah. This is what I want you to know. Yeah. Faith knows there's a backside. Yeah. There's not just the front side that you see. There's yeah. a backside. Yeah. To everything God says, there's a backside. Yeah. And God has already perfected yeah. what's required on the back end. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Hallelujah. It's waiting for the front end to not deceive you. Yeah. 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 That's good. And hold you out. The Bible said that regarding that the inhabitants of the promised land, that their defense had already departed from them. They even said that, Joshua and Caleb said that their defense is departed. But see, all the others could see is, oh, this is all what I can see. I tell you what, when we bought that house, I mean, she put up her money and everything, and we finally worked a deal and got it, got into it. When we sold that house, we made a million-dollar profit on that house. Why? Because when it looked impossible, the backside was fulfilled. If God says something, don't you ever let your mind, your education, or the counsel of someone who doesn't know what God said, or the counsel of someone who doesn't regard what God said, talk you out of it. I'm just telling you in life, life is so simple. What did God say? Everything in our lives is to be governed by that one question. What did God say? When my husband went home to be with the Lord, I had so many responsibilities to fulfill. And every day I would say, Father, whatever you say is all I have to do. I don't have to figure out the financial end. I don't have to figure out the legal end. I don't have to figure out the banking end. All I have to do is just do what you say. Success is nothing more than this. You're the best at following what God says. Just do what he said. Just do what he said. Remember what they record is the first miracle 
that Jesus did after he was anointed. What was it? He turned the water into wine. Remember, Mary comes up and she says, they, they run out of wine. And he said, woman, what's that? My time's not yet. What's that got to do with me? She ignored him. She completely ignored him, which lets you know something about who's boss in the house. And she turns around to the servant and says, whatsoever he says to you, do it. What did she do? She put a demand on him to say something to them. She didn't argue with him. She didn't go back and forth with him. He, she said, they're out of wine. He says, not my problem. Whatever he says, do it. Well, I'm trying to hear what God says. No, 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 no. God's not silent. God has not been absent with words. He's already said people need to slow down and be sensitive enough to perceive what he's saying. Amen. And so whatever he says to you, do it. What is it? They were pots. They contained about 30 gallons each. Now, you know, these aren't plastic pots, right? These lightweight things. These are clay pots, right? Just empty. They're heavy. Right. They had already filled them once with water to wash hands. That's what they were for. Yes, that's right. And he says, go fill those water pots. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we already did this. No, they just did what he said. It took effort. Yeah. It took them not, you, you didn't hear one complaint. Yeah. You didn't hear one gripe. Uh, we already filled the water pots yeah. and they're dirty water in them now. Yeah. No, just go do what I said. Yeah. What's, what, what's filling a, a water pot with water going to do for their wine supply? Uh-huh. <laughs> You see what? Nothing makes sense. Just do what he said. 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 He doesn't need it to make sense to you. He, it already makes sense to him. He just needs you to do what he says. The first part, the first step to succeeding, what did he say? Put it in your mouth. And when it doesn't make sense, keep it in your mouth. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth even when it doesn't make sense. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth even when everybody calls you crazy. Can I tell you, there is no risk to the faith life. There are people who put themselves in financial hardship, financial ruin, There are people who have bought homes, started businesses, started churches and everything else and ended up financially ruined over it. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, I was going by, no, no, there's no risk to faith. Mm -hmm. The risk is moving ahead without knowing what he said. There's the risk. If God says something and you hold to it, there's no risk. Absolutely none. You can rest secure. What happens is when people figure out what they're going to do, then say, God said, no, 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 don't, don't mess up there. Just you wanting something enough and then dwelling on it to where it gets big in you. And then you label it as God said, now, now there's risk. Now there's risk. But I'm talking about when you truly know what God said. Can I tell you how to know what God said without embellishing it? Don't have your own preference. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
don't decide, I want to do this, or I, I want to buy this, or I want to have this, or I want to have this ministry, I want to start this church, or I want to have start this business. Stop that business. Yeah. Spend time with God and say, God, what do you want? Yeah. If you'll not formulate something for your own and then ask him to bless it, find out what he's already yeah. planned. Yeah. It's already blessed. Yeah. And this is where people miss it, is they formulate, they might have a right heart, but their thinking's wrong. And they formulate something, and then they say God said. If God said, there, there'd be no failure with it when it's held to. I want you to know anything God tells you, there's no risk with it. There's no risk. So when Ed and I bought that first house in California, we had no idea where we're going to have money to come from, to meet this obligation. But I want you to know God said it, so there's no risk. Amen. You understand that? Yeah. You can rest easy. Why? God said it. Yeah. You have to be able to know what God said without your mind having conjured it up. Yeah. You have to know in here. Amen. This is why within a year we were able to finish every project Ed had started. He'd been working for five years to try to complete these eight projects. Within a year they were done. Right. Why? Because God said Every step of the way, God said. And I would hear it and say, this is what God said. We're doing it. Amen? Amen. It's, your success is as easy as what did God say, and then you put it in your mouth. Amen. Understand that? Amen. Praise the Lord. This is one facet of the three things told us of how to arrive at success. You don't want to miss tonight? Because you're going to miss your success if you only know one part of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you helped this morning? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Listen, God needs you to succeed in your personal life. Why? Because your life is connected to the vision. The vision of this church. God gives us our private personal lives to practice on so that we can bring skill to the local church and then the fullness of God's vision for that has Amen. been given through our pastor can come to pass. Amen. Amen. That we don't have, see, we've already trained our mouths by the time we come to church's vision. Yeah. We've already trained our mouths on our home and on our children and on our families and on our lives that this book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth. So when pastor says, hey, there's another building, we go, okay, there's another building. Yeah. 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 Instead of, why are we getting another building? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Everybody has to say the same thing to get in to what God offers us. God gave your pastor a vision. God gave Moses a vision, but they didn't get in. Why? Because they would not start by putting it in the mouth. Hallelujah. Can I tell you how to get into what God's called you to as a family? All, everybody in the family needs to be saying the same thing. The wife can't say one thing and the man say something different. This wasn't just about what Joshua was going to put in his mouth. Right. See, these are uneducated people. Yeah. Joshua is teaching the people. Yeah. Joshua is saying, I got to get it in my mouth. You got to get it in your mouth. Yeah. This, book, this verse was not just Joshua's verse. This was Joshua's yeah. verse to put in the people. Yeah. Yeah. And if he didn't get it in them, they didn't arrive. Yeah. But they did arrive. And can I tell you this, that in five years they're in? When you give an all-out effort to what God said, it won't take long. It won't take long. What takes long is when people are half-hearted. 
What takes long is when people just say a little bit here and a little bit there. But if you make it your lifestyle, your way of talking is faith. Your way of talking is abundance. Your way of talking is victory. When it's your way of talking, it won't take long. When you're wholehearted, when your whole heart is in, that's when it shows up. Half-hearted never arrives. Half-heartedness never arrives. Remember what, remember what Caleb said? He says, I have wholly followed the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning for your help. We thank you this morning for your word. It is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Father, the greatness of your plan contains so much. We cannot arrive there with mental effort. We cannot arrive there with us creating our own agenda. But Father, we are hungry to fulfill what you say. What you say is all that matters to us. Not what our mind says, not what our common sense says, not what natural reasoning says, not what relatives say. But what you say, that's all that matters to us. We're wholehearted toward what you say. We thank you for your word. We say we're not just hearers, but we're doers. Amen. Now, I want to give you some homework. Let me just say this. When you leave today, go home and pay attention to what in my mouth needs to be addressed. Where do I need to put the word in so I can push out what I've been saying? Amen. What have I allowed? Because, you know, just a little bit, a little bit of murmuring, a little bit of complaining, a little bit of griping can get in unnoticed. Pay attention. Pay attention to what you're allowing. And if you recognize, you know something, I my husband and I haven't been talking the right words over our finances. Instead of just saying, I don't know how we're going to get that. Pay. I just don't know where the money's going to come from. I'm doing all I know to do and it's just not, no, 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 no. What we're going to do is we're just going to put in the word, my God shall supply, my God shall supply, my God shall supply, my God shall supply. Don't try to pick out the wrong saying, just flood in the right saying. Amen. Hallelujah.